Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Why don't we eat? Dear, don't call the boss. I'll have your spam. I love it. I'm having spam, spam, spam. Cornflakes. 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 Anyone fancy a pint? Suit you, sir. Spam, 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 baked beans, spam, 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 and spam. I said I don't want any damn vegetables. Lentils are really good, you know? Mmm, forbidden donut. Two here on Three Triple R FM on a beautiful Sunday. We have Professor Russell Keast from Deakin University. Russell's great. We've had him on the show before. Yes. Do we on then? I can't remember. I can't remember either. No, no well, it must have been. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, um, Russell is um, very much uh, involved uh, with the sense of taste. And its role with food choices. Yes. And um, I asked him, thanks to Richard Cornish, Mm -hmm. who said, Cam, you should get that guy to bring in some props. And I went, what a great idea. (laughs) So, um, I don't know, we might be tested for our senses. Oh, God, okay. I know, I'm a little bit worried about that. (laughs) But uh, we're going to find out about his research, which has been going on for a while. Yes. And uh, it's really a catch-up as to... What he's doing before he goes to A1 Bakery with mm. his, uh, I think, famine. Yes. And have a good feed. Uh, market report with John. Gee, the prices are good at the Queen Victoria market. You were saying, it's, um, which is a rare thing to say in this day and age, but you can still, Isn't it? You can Isn't still it? pick up food at a reasonable price if you go to the Queen Vic market. It's like, hey, I filled up my car with petrol. Boy, what a bargain that was. <laughs> when have we said that in the uh-huh. last year or so? Well, I can... I can proudly say to you that in normal shopping hours before yes. you know the seagulls come around three o'clock yes um 
The price is really, really good, and the quality is just fantastic. We talked to John about that. I asked him some pointed questions about garlic, oh. which he answers in his usual way. Yes. Well, you know, I won't jump in on that. And, uh, and last but not least, uh, we have... Um, the chef from mm. Rice, Paper, Scissors mm. here in Melbourne, I think in Brunswick Street, and mm-hmm. there's also another location on Johnson Street. Uh, right, uh, Noah can uh, tell me if that's right. I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Noah is from Texas. Yeah. And one of the things that just fascinates me, or well, I'm fascinated about this mm-hmm. large country in the Northern Hemisphere that seems to be going into hell in a handbasket. <laughs> it really does continue its descent into madness, doesn't it? Downward spiral. Uh-huh. Yeah, yes, speaker. Um, the thing that's really cool about America, though, mm-hmm. is its cuisine. Because of the amazing cultural diversity of this place. Yes. And the fact that they had a head start on us by about 100 years, mm. so far as colonisation goes, mm-hmm. The difference in the regions with the food is just extraordinary. It's pronounced, isn't it? Yes. It is. Mm. Um, you've experienced that, having I have, travelled. And, and even like, you know, the accents and regional dialect, it's... It's still there. Yeah, it's very different to Australia. I mean, obviously we have different cuisines around Australia as well. Like, you know, differently in Cairns than you are in Hobart. And but we do have a little bit of regional variation with accents. Oh, you think? Okay. Oh, a little bit. You know, mm. well, the, you know, there's the, you know, Alexander Downer Squatocracy South Australian <laughs> accent. Yes. You know, for instance. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the yeah, nah, yeah, nah. nah, yeah, when you go farther up Queensland mm-hmm. where it gets really, really hot. Anyway, but America all over us. And yes. we're going to um, delve into that and uh, talk about Texas. This one state. Yep. The biggest state, the biggest beef producing state in the whole of the <laughs> Union. <laughs> sorry, it doesn't seem too united at the moment. I'm just laughing at my own jokes. I'm sorry about that, folks. Uh, yes, but um, we're going to have a chat about Texas cuisine, and we're going to talk about some really, really interesting dishes. In fact, one that I want to bring up is, um, and I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag too much, mm. but there is sort of a version of like a Tex-Mex fondue. Oh. and okay. around, Yeah, anyway, we're going to we'll go into that mm. uh, a little bit later. It is 12.07 here on 3 FM. I am just delighted that you've joined us. Yes. And uh, I also wanted to mention the fact that I was at my old alma mater. Yes. My old school. Yes. Um, William Angles College on Monday, and I had the great pleasure of being invited to participate in the Great Chef's Dinner. The Great Chef's Dinner? Great Chefs. And we had a great chef. Did you have? Which is good, you yeah, because it'd be yeah, rather, yeah. you know, like, you know, great shift here, and then I walk in, yeah, and it's like, oh, yeah, God. You want, who wants a jaffle? You know, <laughs> actually, what is your special? Anyway, we won't go. Uh, there. We digress. Uh, Daniel Wilson, um, who's uh, uh, cooking at Yakimono, yes, uh, Skewer City, yep, um, and he came in and cooked just some fabulous food that was interpreted by all the students, and it was great to be back in that mm. that student dining room again because it brought back. Many, many memories. I've often said, um, and we probably just missed it for this year, but William Anglis TAFE does a really... You said Open Day. Yeah, the Open Day is excellent. So we went to the Open Day a few years ago. I've got no intention of going to study at William Anglis. I'm far too old for that. No, you've um, you've done that. 
But it was cool just to walk around and all you know, the kitchens were open and they cook some stuff and you sort of get to see how a culinary academy works, which is not something I've ever seen. I know you are a graduate. I was, so. Yeah, no, I was, I was a part of all that, you know, yeah. one day in K2, which is the unit kitchen. I remember a very, very hard slog for the teachers that were there because mm. we made mayonnaise and hollandaise, right? The poor teachers had to taste every one of oh, people's mayonnaise and hollandaise. And some of them weren't too flash. I guess you'd also you'd, you'd want to be a pretty uh, effective educator if you were teaching there because you know an unruly class of full of knives wannabe chefs full of food ingredients and knives yeah it could go south pretty quick what, what could get, what could possibly <laughs> go and deep fryers yes loaded deep fryers anyway it's um, it's still on and um, I think next week mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure what the bookings are like uh, Daniel as I said Daniel Wilson uh, was cooking and I think Daniel Wilson's an awesome bloke. And a great, great cook and chef. Uh, this week, uh, Monday and Tuesday, I think Daniel Briggs from Chin Chin oh, will be there. $85 yes. a head. Yes. I think that gets you all the booze and stuff and you're in the dining room and it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, it sounds good. It really, really is good. So mm, you should do that. It's 12.10. I was going to say, just looking backwards. Look backwards. As we rarely do. We shouldn't do uh, that on radio. Couple, no. normally Normally we don't refer to what has what? previously been broadcast. Yeah, what? But I was just going to send a quick shout out. A couple of weeks ago, we had uh, Cara Devine on. Oh, yes, Cara uh, Devine. Author who? of an excellent book on cocktails. Yes. And she just casually mentioned on the show, oh, I've got a YouTube channel. Sweet, sour and bitter? Uh, strong, strong, bitter, sour. Bitter, sour. Thank strong, you. sour, bitter. Yes. Cara Devine's book is amazing and in, it's in great, and you got stuff. it. Yeah, and I got it, and then I thought, oh, you've got a YouTube channel, do you? I'm going to have a little look. I didn't realise how huge it was. So, uh, 150,000. 150,000 subscribers to Behind the Bar with Cara Devine, wow. and it's, um, yeah, it's really worth a watch if you're interested in uh, mixing spirits and making it delicious. Highly recommend going and checking some of that out. She'd have a very well-deserved plaque on her wall. Yeah, I think you get a little plaque at 100,000. Yeah, I think. And, and makes really, really good cocktails. And it was great to have her on, and I hope to have her on again soon. 12, 11. Yes. We're going to get the professor uh, on after this. I'm going to have to race and get him, aren't I? you got about 60 seconds. Go! Go! This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. This is interesting. Uh, We've got uh, Russell (laughs) Keston. He's handing me bits of cardboard. I didn't know we're going to be going to this sort of a party. It's fun. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Uh, look, I haven't done this for a while, Russell, but uh, okay, mate. No, <laughs> Professor Russell Keys from uh, Deakin University, um, looking at the uh, the psychology and the physiology of uh, of taste and how it affects us and the decisions we make because of that. Yes, is so that a good sort of way is. to put it? It is. It's the, so the sense of taste is. And hello, and thank you for coming in. Oh, look, hey. real pleasure to be here with you again, Cameron. Oh. So so great to be here. Mm. Um, so the sense of taste, it's a much um, sort of, uh, I suppose, ignored sense. Yes. You know, in, um, in a way, very subjective? Or is it measurable? It is measurable, yes. which, which is which is good. But um, a lot's been happening, you know, we, we, we understand a lot more about it. You know, all of a sudden we're finding receptors with, with the, um, uh, the 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 genome. We've remapped the tongue, haven't we've, we? We've remapped the we've tongue. We've remapped the there tongue. There is no map of the tongue. That's, yeah. that's oh. the, so whereas it used to be 
Um, uh, uh, that's right, these little regions. These, yeah. None of that. Thrown out the window. Thrown out the window. Yeah, I love it. Um, there was also, there's also the thought that, you know, there's these five taste sweet, sour, salty, bitter, and umami. Umami, thanks to the Japan 35 or whatever it was. We, we, yeah. in terms of the, the I suppose, the, the researchers in the area are saying, actually, umami may fit in another category by itself. No now, way. That we've got sweet, sour, salty, bitter. Those, mm-hmm. those are the four tastes. Yep. And those tastes have been um, known or as part of a basic taste list since uh, first written by Aristotle and certainly Western literature back, uh, you know, in, in um, you know, a couple of thousand years of taste ago. And, yeah. um, over the over the centuries, there has been lists of what is a basic taste, you know, pungents in there and spicy. And, yes, and hot. Hot. Yeah. There's been lists where maybe there's been 20 different descriptors of what a basic taste is. Yes. But there's always been in all of these hundreds of lists over um, centuries, hmm. sweet, sour, salty, bitter. Yes. And it really just um, comes down to what portion of time you're in and what the current persuasive thinking of the time is. But we've always had this. Sort of like the taste zeitgeist. That's <laughs> very good. <laughs> and, you know, so we got to 2000, the, the genome comes out, and, you know, we say, oh, okay, umami, we found a receptor on taste cells um, that responds to glutamate, mm. so therefore umami is now a taste, hence the five. Mm-hmm. But again, this is just current thinking, current knowledge, current thinking. We, we think that the four, sweet, sour, salty, bitter, stand alone throughout history and because of their perceptual salience. You know, you put sugar on your tongue, you know it's sweet. You put salt on your tongue, you know it's Bang, salty. you got that. You drink quinine uh, or tonic water, yes. you know it's bitter. Yes. You know, so, so we've got these really... And, and real defined uh, sort of yardsticks of taste. Very clear perceptual signals. Hmm. Then you've got something like umami. So if, if you tried glutamic acid, yes, it's sour and it's a little bit nasty. Where does that come from, glutamic acid? Oh, it's an amino acid. Okay. So if, Protein derives in other words. That's right. Yes. yes. Um, you attach a sodium salt to it, so you've got um, sodium glutamate or monosodium glutamate. You mm. taste it, you've got umami. Oh, I see where you're going. Yeah, yeah. But you've got the sodium salt, which is a basic taste. Yes. Elicits salty taste associated with it. There is no independence of glutamate that we have with the other clear signals. So hence, it doesn't. And this is an academic issue. It doesn't fit the criteria. But what we've been doing over the the, the past few years now is is identify. So we can say that glutamate is a protein or protein derived. Yes. Um, We've got fat and fatty acids. Mm-hmm. Um, now we've got receptors for them on taste cells as well. So we've got we've got fat taste. Um, we have also done carbohydrates. So using um, now obviously carbohydrate, we've got a monomer which is sugars. Mm-hmm. They elicit sweet. But then when we get larger compounds, so multiple sugars together. Yes. They've been thought to be invisible to taste, so we get these larger, okay. larger um, carbohydrates hmm. which don't actually elicit taste. However, we found such that they, as just an example, uh, maltodextrin. Yep, um, or uh, fructans are another one which are uh, 
polymers of fructose. Yes. So they are... So these are big, big-ass molecules. There's sort of, we can have, let's say, between 5 to 12 sugars mm. lined up together, mm. and they don't activate the sweet taste receptor. However, they activate some other receptor. So we have... So they're like a catalyst? They are a, um, an activator, activator. Of, a, of a receptor. We don't know what the receptor is yet. Mm. Um, but what we've found is that people can identify this in, in solution, and it does relate to consumption. So just as fat does fat, we find as a break. So if you're sensitive to fat orally, so mm. we, can, we can measure that, um, you, if you consume fatty foods, you're actually getting fuller for longer. Mm-hmm. So you're stopping eating. Yep. Carbohydrate's the opposite. It's an accelerator. So if you're sensitive to carbohydrate, you're actually eating more energy and more carbohydrate. Um, so sensitivity mm. to these non-traditional tastes is, in fact, influencing consumption. Right. So we, and... Uh, we're talking about fat, carbohydrate, and protein. These are obviously the macronutrients, so a very important signalling systems in the oral cavity that relate to food consumption. So it's a, it's a, it's a. And is this sort of like to say, you know, when we are full and when when we are sated? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's right. So they've all got this role. Yeah. So we call them elementary taste because. Mm. Their role isn't just in the oral cavity. Most of the the role of these these what we call taste receptors is once we swallow. So once we swallow throughout the alimentary canal, we have these taste receptors that no. are located throughout the the whole the esophagus. Yes, all the way down. So we call it a mouth to anus nutrient recognition system. Well, that's catchy. I know it's always good. To get. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Mouth to anus nutrient recognition system. Yes. And they they identify the fats, the carbohydrates. Now, one, once we're talking about the gastrointestinal tract, yeah. we're not talking about the, the receptor being activated and then saying, ah, you know, sending a signal to the brain going, that's sweet or you know, yeah. that's how. What we're doing is the assimilation, uptake and digestion of those nutrients. Nutrients. That's what leads to the development of satiety and... Whoa. Of what? Satiety. Oh, fullness. Thank you. That Thank you. leads to the development of fullness and therefore, you know, stopping eating mm-hmm. and then also um, the gap between eating events. Mm-hmm. So this is where it sort of links in with the development of obesity, overweight obesity. All Can I give a good of example of that? Yeah. One food which I, uh, is sort of like I, um, I kind of tend to avoid, it's like, you know, I'm walking in the, if I do shop at the supermarkets, it's like the bad alley, you know, it's the darkened yeah. alley, you don't, the one with the potato chips, because this is carbohydrate with lots of salt, and you just keep, keep, keep going, eating. and keep going, and keep going. I'm hungry. Yeah, uh, because yeah. you're not being sated, is that, That's right. is that correct? That's exactly right, so. Stay away from the dark alley, kids. <laughs> Stay away from the dark alley. Yeah. <laughs> so for, for some people, if you were, let's say, um, having uh, the potato chips and mm-hmm. had this, the salt, obviously very important for enticing, but let's say it's got the high levels of fat on the surface, so you're getting activation of that, you're swallowing it. The fat is is doing its job internally once you've swallowed. You should, some people would be feeling relatively full yes. after that packet of chips. Others who, 
who find fat less or more of an invisible nutrient, they don't have the receptors to to identify the fat they've consumed, they would consume another pack. So, so therefore, um, we this sort of comes back to genetic disposition. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yes. So it's the genetic disposition that happens. And you've given us this piece of... Um, yep. Um, tell us what we have in front of us. So you've got a piece of paper mm-hmm. um, which is wrapped in plastic and there is a chemical compound on it. Yes. The Matt, chemical compound... Yeah, Matt's playing too good. Yes, too right. Yeah, good. The chemical compound is propothiouracil. It's called propothiouracil. It's... Or, or P-P-U. Shortened, <laughs> Probe is a probe. shortened version. Probe. 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 We'll just call it probe. All right. Now, this... Is got so this is a compound that some people find intensely bitter. Mm-hmm. Other people, if you and if you put it in your mouth, you'll know pretty much straight away if it's just paper. Yes. Or if it is in fact once you get it unwrapped. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting there. Here we go. Yep. Um, and some people will find intensely bitter. The eyes will water and, you know, that oh, will wow. be, okay. be terrible. <laughs> might, I might have to just I'm, sort of I'm wave waiting. to you goodbye. I'm waiting for you to go first here, Cameron. You want me to go first? Yes, please. Yeah. It's so, 12.22 here on 3 FM. Professor Russell Keister is uh, about to make me a guinea pig and, uh, and <laughs> Matt myself. Yes. So here we go. Yeah, saliva on the tongue. Put it on. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm getting a bit there. Yeah, no. a bit. Uh, no. No. Okay, so... Are you hoping for eyeball drink? I was... Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting uh, a... Yeah, there's a bit of bitter. There's... Um, no, it's just a... a, so, a yeah. So you, what does that mean? Tell us... Generally, you would be classified as what we'd term non-tasters. And, and all this... Oh, well, okay. Yeah. Yes, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, I'll get my coat. I, I actually think it's a good... It's It's a... From a from a science communication, it's a really interesting thing to do. You know, mm. you've got a group of people. Some people will be going, "Oh, this is this is terrible." What oh my have you god! Done what have you done? Other people will be going, "Oh, you know, yeah, you might, yeah." There was nothing on my paper, <laughs> mm. um, and and what'd you get, Matt? Just out of curiosity. No, I sort of got like a one or a two out of ten business. Yeah, yeah, it's not like, like sort of, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm so, a non-taster. Mm. So the, it, it links, really? and the reason it's interesting from a genetics point of view is it links to a single receptor, and variants in j- just a sing what's called a SNP, mm. um, which is just one change in the receptor means that you will either be like yourselves, non-tasters, or alternatively, if you've got this variant, you'll find that incredibly bitter. Yeah, right. And, and this is where we get the non-taster, super-taster yeah. paradigm from these and, two. And this is the thing. If we take anything from this this interview is that we are all so different and we all um, perceive things so differently in our lives. And, and this is part of the uh, the great research that you're doing down there at Box Hill at Deakin? Yes. Box Hill campus? Burwood campus. Burwood but campus. Close, 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 but no cigar. Yes, yes. See, not a taster, <laughs> not very good at geography either. Um Keep on going with your research. Anything you want to say in conclusion? No, I'm gonna. I'm, I'll leave this with you. Yes. Um, this is something that you can try a little bit later. So it's a salt. Yeah. So what I want you to do is pinch your thumb and your yeah. forefinger over your nose. Put it on your tongue. Again, you'll you'll 
taste it as being salty, then release it and see what happens. And what this happens? is just the distinction between um, the sense of smell and the sense of taste. Love it. And how much the sense of smell or how important the sense of smell is for our enjoyment of food. Yes. Well, yeah, because without the sense of smell, there is no flavour. Exactly. Indeed. So that's what this will illustrate. Professor, we look forward to having you back again to uh, to talk about how the research is going. But in the meantime, thank you so much for coming in. And enjoy your time at A1 Bakery. Will do. I'm do. really looking forward to it. Thanks, Cameron. Thank Thanks, you. Matt. You're listening to a Triple R podcast. Discover more podcasts from Triple R exploring science, technology, food, books, social issues, politics and more. To listen, hit up the Triple R website or your favourite podcast platform. Well, here we are at uh, the Queen Victoria Market. I'm standing at Tomato City serving great tomatoes and vegetables since 1946. And I'm talking to John. John, a very, very good morning to you. The sun is shining. It's making us feel... Alive again. Yeah, a little bit alive. It's definitely springtime. Yes. We're all suffering asthma and hay fever from yeah. the horrible trees yes. that the council's planted around, but other than that, life's very good. Oh, life's great. I and see you've brought a beautiful spring selection out this time. It's a personification of spring, really, um, and there's one thing I wanted to just start with, um, with the garlic that you've got. You've got beautiful, beautiful fresh garlic, Little tiny things there, like about the size of a walnut, yeah? They are, A little are, bit yes, bigger. Yes, um, red, Red-tinged, with shoots, and, um, and just gorgeous. They are. These are straight out of the ground. Yeah. Unfortunately, they're not cheap. We got three small heads for $6. Yep. They've got a very long strap, which is probably about 35 centimetres long. You use that for um, stir-fry? Stir-fry, yeah. uh, omelette, for mm. soup. Yeah. Don't waste anything at all. So that's why you get your money's worth. Yep. Can I can I ask a question about garlic? Yes. You know, when you get a, a clove of uh, a bulb of garlic, and you might get a couple, and then all of a sudden you see these little green things start appearing from them. Is it okay to use the garlic when it's sprouting? What's your thoughts on sprouting garlic? Uh, as long as the rest of the um, um, piece is not greenish. Yeah. Yes, it's safe to eat the garlic. Yep. So it's okay. Um, Mum uses it. No worries. She uses yeah. it in everything, even in a salad. Mm. Um, it can be a little bit stronger when it's like that, right. but sometimes that's what you need when you're cooking, so right. there's nothing wrong with that. Like I said, as long as it's not spongy and greeny, yeah. it's okay. It won't hurt you even if it is. Mm. But, you know, we like nice, plump, juicy garlic with a lot of flavour, Yep. and this Australian stuff is good. Oh, um, yeah. Where's it come nice. from? This came out of Robin Vale, which is up on the border yes. of uh, Victoria and New South Wales. Yes. And then we've got the dry stuff from South America. Okay, it's imported, but this is still a beautiful garlic. It's pretty good variety. Um, When you haven't got better, what do you do? You either go without or you buy something from overseas. Yeah, it's actually, it's it's weird. You know, I've been going on about, you know, buying stuff, mangoes, you know, Washington cherries and all that. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I always um, got to have garlic. So, but you can live without Washington cherries. That's right. And imported oranges and things like that. But garlic. But garlic. You know, um, it's come to a stage where if you don't have tomatoes, garlic, um, parsley, and olive oil in the house, you're not living. No, it's true. It's true. What is what is life for? Yeah, exactly. And okay, speaking of spring, this is. Wow, here we go. We've got broad beans. 
And how much were they again? They are $6 Six. a kilo. Now, these were grown on the outskirts of Ferntregully proper. Really? Um, one of the sprout growers, every year they grow broad beans. And there's two reasons. Uh, one... For the nitrogen going in yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's number two. Oh. Number one. Number one. Number one because the soil is so beautiful. It produces beautiful broad beans. Yeah. Nice big plump beans. Very juicy. Very sweet. Yes. And two, mm. the plants provide nitrogen back into the soil. Because those now, little nodules in the roots. Right. Yeah. A lot of times, a lot of growers will plant a big field of broad beans mm. and actually turn them in without even picking a broad bean, because all the leaves and stems and roots go back. Revitalise re, um, the soil, so when they come to plant what they want to plant, everything says, "Oh, beauty! Here yeah. we go! Let's Goes. go! Bang! Boompa! Yeah, yeah, that's what we want." So, so thank know, God for broad beans. Thank God for broad beans, and also they give us um, a beautiful feed as well. Um, in the olden days, a lot of the vineyards to make a little bit of cash. They'd plant broad beans in amongst the vines. Oh, really? Um, because the vines are just at the stage where they're starting to sprout again. Oh, the yeah. The broad beans are down the bottom, not harming anyone. Yeah. Putting goodness back into the soil. Yeah. Picking the broad beans, giving us goodness to eat. Win-win. Win-win-win. Everybody's happy. Um, now, what else have I got here? Um, yeah, this that goes well with a broad bean. Oh, hello, yes. We've got this beautiful uh, carchofi. This is a it's, dangerous one. It's the spin awesome. Oh, my God, it looks... It is, it, it is. It, it looks is. really frightening, you know, actually. I, I uh, took some home last Sunday night and, mm. and the boss came out. Yeah, I got prickled by those bloody artichokes. Don't bring them again. You and these bloody artichokes? Yeah, but Gee, she they taste good, but Oh, mate, she cooked <laughs> up a storm and she was happy with it. Yeah. So, you know, you need a pair of scissors, so you cut the top off across the top, yeah. snip off the um, ugly bits, mm. and then you start stripping back and then you go. And these have got a nuttier flavour than the other ones, uh, a little bit softer, these are more vibrant, as you can see there. We've got another um, red globe. Yeah. Uh, these are more vibrant. They're, and, they're, and they're more conical shaped. They're conical they are, shaped. Yes, they and are. And they've got this beautiful magenta yeah. purple sort of I, hue to the leaves. And, yeah, they're really, really up dangerous. I, I wish I had the baby ones because the baby ones, yeah. you chop them up. The northern Italians call them trittato, which means chopped up. Yeah. And Say you that again. Trittato. Yeah. And you chuck them in a hot olive oil Ooh. and you fry them up till they're nearly crispy Ooh. and then you have them on top of toast. Um, I've probably told you before the last time I did Ooh. get adventurous and try that. Yeah. She come home at the wrong time and ah. <laughs> I nearly burnt them, but uh, the abuse was worth it because I had a beautiful feed <laughs> all on my own too. It was good. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. And uh, I've pulled out um, these uh, little cherry tomatoes but I was so surprised by them because last week we had a cherry tomato and it was just acid city and yes. it was really an exciting, it's, wonderful thing. Yeah, that that one, the round normal cherry tomato that that um, I sell, got a very big big bang, but yeah. it does leave the acid in the yeah, mouth. Yeah. A lot of people love that. Um, they more may accompany it more with a green salad as well. Just give it that little bit of a tang. Yeah. But this is a black Russian cherry tomato. It, it's chocolatey colour. Uh, very crisp. This one will give you a bang in the mouth at the yeah. start, but it will leave the mouth very, very sweet. Yeah, that's what I got. Very and it was, um, it was sort of sweetness followed by the acid, and then it tailed off in this beautiful sweetness. Yes. And you remember the flavour of the tomato. Oh, and yeah. that's another thing. 
People say, oh, John, I can buy the tomatoes up there for a third of the price of yours. Well, you know, please go and try them. I want you to go and try them because I know I'll see you next week. Yeah, yeah. You know, you'll forget about the tomato after two seconds because it's got no flavour, it's all water in this and that. Mm. So you get what you pay for. This is sort of like John's idea of the Pepsi challenge. Yeah, that's right. But nicer and better for you too. Um, And the last thing I've got that I wanted to show and tell, and you've got a couple of things, is... Just these lovely little cucumbers. And, they look, they're really not that much to look at, in they're a way. Actually, they're horrible. Yeah, they're, but, <laughs> but they're crisp. If anything, they look like an okra bean. Yeah. Um, yeah, they do. Now, what happens is that um, they grow the long continental cucumbers on a vine, right? So they hang. Yeah. Now, before they pull these off and throw them away, and it was a shame, and I like a lot of things... Someone said, well, why are we throwing... that for? Yeah, because the Japanese people actually pick the cucumbers small like this. Yeah. They're crunchier, um, they're sweeter, there's no moisture in them at all. Oh, and and there's... There's no seed as well. Yeah. Now, once they've pulled these off, they pump them full of water and the cucumbers, because they're hanging, they come mm. about 40 centimetres long. Yeah. A lot of seed, a lot of water, mm. sometimes flavour, sometimes no flavour. like Thompson grapes. Yeah, sometimes. exactly. Yeah, yeah sometimes. Yeah. Mm. All right, so that's um, what happens. So, we again, it's a win-win. Yep. Um, they've got a, a little bit extra cash. Mm. Uh, instead of throwing them away and then having to pick them up and take them out of the um, glass house, they put them in a bag, sent it to us. We enjoy them. These are very nice. They make a very quick pickle as well. I was just going to say pickle. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, raw, not mm. even cooked. Um, I, I slice and um, salt, yep. squeeze, uh, rice vinegar, sugar, you know. Where are you going all bloody oriental? Yeah, us? bloody. Yeah, I'm mate. born in a market. I've been hey. with the Chinese, well, Japanese, to... Koreans, everybody, mate. Yeah, well, you know, look who's, you know. Yeah. Got the, got the yeah, Chen's that, next to yeah, us. Yeah, and but, yeah, but and he, then there used to be Mr. He, Louis, remember? Yeah, yeah but remember he, he, this one's a third generation Australian, mate. Yeah, no. He's, he's not Chinese anymore. No, he's pretty Aussie. Yeah. And, he, and he, knows, he knows his way around a good hot pot, too, I've got to oh, say. I reckon for, he, yeah. he's a very good cook. He is. Uh, most of the Chinese men are very good cooks. Yeah. Um, some some of them complain because their wives like to cook traditional. Yeah. And, and Robbie's the same, you know. Uh, Either or cook uh, brisket with um, white white radish or daikon, whatever you want yeah, to call yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. and bring it to me. And say, "Yeah, don't want to eat that shit." <laughs> Excuse the French, Excuse ladies. The, hello, but, you know. Anyway, yeah. all right. So, so we get on with this. A tale uh, to finish us off. We've got a tale of two asparagus. Okay, now I've got these beautiful asparagus. Uh, they're about. 15 to 20 centimetres long. About as perfect as they come, really. They are. They're nice and yeah. straight. They're, yeah. they're clean. There's no pock marks on the stems. No bad wind there. The, yeah, the heads are tight. Mm. These came out of Kuwira, which is southeast Victoria. Mm. And then I have these ugly ones that came out of Mildura. Now, up until now, they've been beautiful. They've been pristine, nice yeah. straight. Uh, they must have got a lot of wind. I was going to say the wind because so, you've taught me that. You know, the heads have opened up, the stems yeah. don't look beautiful, but geez, they cook up beautiful. Yeah. You know, if you're going to make a risotto or, <gasps> or a, um, an omelette or something like that, or frittata, whatever you want to call it, yeah. um, nothing wrong with that. And even just to steam them on a plate, you're not going to notice the difference. Yeah. And we're selling them nearly, we've put the Mildura ones on special today because it's been a little bit slow, but. 
Sorry while I die. Yeah, no, no come um, back, come back. But, but we've got to finish the report. Been beautiful, you know. Um, we, we brush them with olive oil and put them under the grill or yeah. give them a light steam with a beautiful olive oil. People are even making a butter sauce for them, mate. Really yeah. decadent. Yeah, nice. What else can I say? Prosciutto and, um, and cantaloupe go well with um, eating asparagus as well. I love the way you're always thinking, John. All right, here we go. Quickly, pick of the market. Pick of the market again. Asparagus, broad beans, uh, artichokes. artichokes, garlic. The green beans are pristine again. They've been running away. They're not cheap. They're $12 a kilo, but they're hand harvested. Yep. You buy a quarter kilo, it's worth more than a kilo of that rubbish that's picked by machine. Mm-hmm. And you can keep them up to 10, 12 days in a crisper. Um, even green peas. The green peas have been vibrant. People have been buying them and eating them raw. Um, we've been selling a swag of little Desiree potatoes and the white potatoes. have been making potato salads. Um, or even Greek style with um, lemon juice and a heap of herbs on top. You know, the possibilities are endless as usual. Um, vegetables are reasonably priced. Everyone keeps saying, oh, prices have gone up. I don't think they have. Not, not here. Yeah, seriously, not here. I mean, I was just thinking, I was looking around here and I was thinking, good Lord, no wonder the supermarkets have made billions of dollars in profits because the prices here are a lot better. Well, you look at avocados and mangoes, um, Rock melons, you know, they're, they're a heap cheaper here. We turn over so much stuff, mm. and we've got firsts, we've got second grade, and we've got third grade. Third grade, people say, oh, it doesn't look pretty, but if you think about it, if an, a mango or an avocado is grown on the outside of the tree, okay, it may be ugly because the leaves have scratched the outside of the fruit, but it's soaked up all the sun. And the pretty ones on the inside are saying, hey, look at me, look at me, I look beautiful, but they've got no flavour because they didn't get the sun. Nothing inside, mate. Nothing inside, yeah. yeah. So yeah. there's stuff for everyone. Mm. There's so many mandarins out there, it's unbelievable. I've been saying to people, we've stopped eating blood orange and fennel salad. We're having a, a mandarin and, and um, a fennel salad. Um, we, we've, it's been new. Yeah, so it works. Mm. Uh, there's pea, uh, beautiful pears and apples out there, so go for it. Yeah. Thanks, John. Well... Going to go back to the studio, and from uh, the Queen Victoria Market, we're going into the regions of the USA with uh, Noah Crowcroft coming up next on 3 Triple R. Hi, I'm Gordon Ramsay. Welcome to 3 Triple R. I'm with Cameron, and please listen to Eat It, otherwise, you are going to be in big trouble. Yeah. Gordon Ramsay, get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, get out of there, please. God, Gordon, he, everywhere you look, he just pops up, you know, <laughs> trying to sell those hexagon pans of his. <laughs> Noah Crowcroft, hello, how hello. are you? Good to see you again. Good to see you. Did you have you a bit of paper? Yes, I'm yeah. still trying to wrap my head around it. Maybe yeah. it's because I didn't pinch my nose. Oh, maybe, yeah, that is. That was the trick. Rice, paper, scissors, first of all. Yes. Uh, you are, uh, how long have you been there for? Just five years last month. Just five years? Yeah. Time, like time through the hourglass of services. <laughs> it's a bit done. of a blur after COVID, but 
Yeah, yeah God, survived that. And uh, Brunswick Street, and there's the place in Johnson Street. That's right. So we've got Auntie Kim's on Johnson Street in Collingwood. That's our function venue. And yeah. then we've also got a Rice Pepper Scissors on Hardware Lane in the yeah. city. And I love the fact that, you know, when we first got you on, I was uh, talking to this great Texan who comes from the cultured centre of uh, Texas, Austin, where the university town, who has come to this fair country and has been here for quite a while and immersed yourself in the cuisine of our north, which yeah. which which is great. But yeah. the reason I got you in here was I wanted to talk about the home state and yep. and the US in general, this this first of all, this cultural melting pot and this mm. melting pot of humanity. Um maybe well, it, it sort of mirrored in this place, but so different because I think America had about a hundred years head start. That's right on colonization. Yeah, was and um, and the fact that Texas is just so diverse, isn't it? It is. It's a big state too. I mean, it's, it's the biggest. Um, or is California uh, the biggest? Alaska is actually the business. Oh, think, yeah, that I think, place. So they mean that, yeah, that one that we got later. Yeah. I, yeah. Think, I think California got is the biggest Russians. by population. That's right. They bought it from the Russians. Yeah. But, but um, yeah, it's it's a very diverse state. It's had uh, a lot of flags flown over it. So there's been a lot of nations that have kind of brought their ingredients and cooking methods in there. And what nations? So we got the French? So f- I believe it was Spanish? first the, the Spanish, yeah. um, then the French. It was part of the Louisiana Purchase. Yes. And then uh, it was part of Mexico for a long time. Yeah. And then Texas fought for its independence, which is, uh, I don't know if you've heard, Remember the Alamo. Uh, yeah, um, John Wayne. Yeah. So that was... <laughs> David Crowley. Uh, the Texas is actually one of Sam two Houston. states. Sorry, Sam Houston, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was the, the general that, that mm. led the um, the defeat of Santa Ana. Yeah, but it was one of two states that used to be its own country. So it used to be the Republic of Texas. Yes, um, for only about five or six years, and then they moved over to the Union. Right. Um, but yeah, it's had, so is that why this sort of the, the, it's it sort of bred into that whole thing of being a fiercely independent that's and being right. a Texan? Yeah, you still see a lot of bumper stickers around Texas saying "secede from the Union." Oh, uh, there's yeah. there's a couple of people that are really still pushing that envelope that are trying to get us to be our own country, which will probably never happen. But. Yeah, let's not we're gonna have to steer it. Let's get away from yeah. the politics. <laughs> we're gonna get really, really depressed. But yeah. let's talk about the food. Yeah, uh, I want to talk about first of all, um, just first of all, the most important influence as a kid growing up yeah. is. Your mum. Yes. I, I'm, I'm trying to remember. Was your mum a good cook? And, she um, was a very good she cook. She was a good cook. Yeah. And yeah. Um, she, uh, weirdly enough. And nationality, was she? She was Aussie, so she was from Adelaide. Yes. Um, but she used to cook a lot of Indian food randomly. Like I remember when I was a little kid eating pompadoms and having these delicious curries, wow. which got me into curry at a very young age. Yes. Um, she was also amazing with pastry, which mm. uh, my, my dentist was really happy with. Like I just had so many cavities growing up. <laughs> Get on you. Um, but yeah. Like, Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Mom. And yeah. then we, we moved to Texas, and that's when I started eating really good Mexican food. And I think that's where I fell in love with those big flavors. You know, there was no subtlety about it. Mm. Um, and being a young chef in the 90s, everybody was about, you know, classical French food. In that area, has you beurre blanc, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, every kitchen I was working in, I was one of the only white boys. They're all Mexican nationals, so yes, was the all the staff meals 
I had is what got me really interested. Oh, it would have been so cool. Yeah. Yes, yes. And what were the first things that do, – do you remember like this eureka moment when you had something went, what is this? Yeah. I, I remember when not fish Kansas tacos anymore. became a thing. Like, <laughs> fish tacos. Fish tacos. That, that wasn't – I remember people were like really pushing they were making fish tacos and I thought, how disgusting. Yeah, no. Um, and then I tried one and I, it, it was life-changing. It just makes so much sense, isn't yeah. it? If you talk about the balance of acid, if uh, – Shame Russell's not here. We talk about the you know the umami and carbohydrates and all those things. That was so interesting. Just making a, a glorious, beautiful thing. Yeah. So the fish taco is a relatively recent thing. In Texas. In but Texas. I, that's, that's from kind of Baja, California, that Pacific gotcha. Mexican region. Mm-hmm. Um, so that slowly made its way up to Texas. Yep. Um, but, yeah, that I think for me it was all about the fresh tortillas as well, which is something I, I really miss. And I, that's changed a lot in Melbourne. Now you can get fresh tortillas. But Yeah, thanks to La Tortilla. That's right, yeah. You know, the, the great, that was 10 years old just a while ago. I think is this right? year. Yeah, wow. 10 years um, that uh, they've been making those. Um, could we say that uh, maybe cumin is sort of the state spice? Um, cumin and coriander seed go pretty hand in hand, yes. I think, with a lot of Mexican and Cajun food. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting how the that spice is sort of it. it, it we we think about the journey of spices around mm. the world, right? And cumin is comes from the subcontinent. It comes from Asia. I'm, I'm pretty I believe sure. So, yeah. yeah, and it and it was really it's huge, obviously in Asia and yeah. huge in Indian cuisine. Yeah. Missed Europe pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just went. Eh, no thanks. To, no, no, no. Apparently, it actually made its way to Europe, but it just wasn't. Uh, it wasn't taken up. Like they were using cinnamon and a lot of savoury stuff. Yeah. As well, and then it just they went. Nah, don't nah, want of that. And then gone. and then there's a weird thing from the other end, from Jamaica. This sort of thing. Um, the all the Eastern Europeans took the allspice. Right. Yeah. But anyway, I'm digressing. So anyway, the cumin sort of. Missed Europe, but bang! It yeah. certainly happened in the, the southern states of the US and then Mexico and South America. That's yeah. right. I think the probably one of the biggest influences for Texas as well was, um, unfortunately, was the African slave trade. Yep. When they started bringing heaps of Africans over from the Ivory Coast, mm. they they brought their spices and their cooking methods. The and terrible that, that triangle. Everything. Yeah, it was that's the right. terrible the sugar, the rum, and the mm. slaves. Yes, mm. and and uh, what sort of foods did the Africans bring? Uh, so, okra would be one. Okra, yeah. yeah. So um, I actually learned recently after cooking gumbo for years that yes. gumbo is actually French for okra. So, um, yeah. yeah, there you go. So it's a quintessential ingredient there and uses yes. a thickener. Um, and that's even sassafras or the, the filet powder. Sassafras, filet, that's yeah, right, yeah. which I actually um, I find very difficult to get over here for some reason. Yes. Uh, but that is also a quintessential ingredient of it's gumbo. It's not in the international aisle yet. Not yet. The- <laughs> give it time. Yeah, give, give it a little bit of time. Now, I wanna, I've got a little list of some of the things that um, – uh, are big in Texas, and I just thought I'd um, want to ask about them. Sure. Uh, obviously, brisket is huge, and we, yes. everybody here in Australia knows about that. Have you heard of a thing called chicken fried steak? Oh, yes. I've cooked many. Yeah. Now, this is an interesting... Uh, Matt, you heard of this one? I actually have heard of chicken fried steak, Thanks. and it sounds weird, but it's fried in the style of chicken. That's right. the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you, you basically get a sirloin, tenderize it a bit, and yes. then it gets um, crumbed or battered. Yep. Crumbed, more likely. Yep. Um, deep fried yes. till it's dead, and yes. then smothered in cream gravy. Uh, so cook, cooked all the way through, yeah. thanks. Yeah, no, no medium rare. I, I actually worked at a place when I was in high school that used to have a chicken fried steak eating competition. When it oh, was God. One of the most horrific things I've ever seen. But, man, people 
used to do pretty well. It's not a thing to really want to witness. I don't no, really want no, to witness that. Because, no. the, yeah, there's some YouTube things of competitive eaters. And the thing that probably disturbs me is that they don't use utensils. They're just, <laughs> they, their hands become that shovels. That slows you down. Uh, yeah, I know. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on from there. Um, one thing which I thought, which is almost seems like a, a, like a Texas fondue, chili con queso. Oh, yes. Yeah. Queso is amazing. Um, for those who haven't had it, it's basically like a melted cheese dip, mm. which can only really be, you know, done traditionally if you're using the really cheap Velveeta cheese that comes in a box that's in the dry goods aisle. Oh that my god! Will you know? The, will the survive a nuclear holocaust? It'll beat the cockroaches. There we will. Yeah. It will. So it's probably not good for you, but it tastes amazing. So yes. you, you melt that down. You mix it with chilies and onions and so we'd be talking again. I'm just thinking get back to Russell because yeah, you know yeah. going and thinking of the fat receptors going. Yeah, yeah. I want this. Yeah, more, more. Yeah. Um, and now, what else we got here? Oh, and there was a couple drinks. No, I wanted to first mm. of all go, there's a thing, because we talk about Texas is the most, and Houston is now the most culturally diverse city in the whole of 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 the Union. Yeah, which is very surprising to me because growing up, Texas was just about cowboys and concrete. Like it was... Yeah, it and, was, uh, and nobody else, thanks. Yeah, like it, it was... <laughs> thanks very much. It was, it was very backward. Um, yeah. oh, my brother lives there and I used to hate going there to visit him, but... Yes. Um, now, where did he live? Uh, just outside of Houston, the area oh, called the Woodlands. Houston. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right, yeah. But um, it, it it has changed immensely. I mean, I was there in January, and there's now, like, whole Vietnamese communities outside of there. And I used to get really excited going back to, to cook Asian food for friends and family, but I couldn't find any ingredients. And now they're, they're stock standard. They're pretty easy to find. Wow. Yeah, so, so um, it is changing. So Houston fur. Mm, yeah. yeah, plenty of those shops around. Um, I saw something, and something that really um, uh, personifies the the mixture. There's a thing called Czech mix. Uh, yes, with a, with yeah. a thing called. Uh, now, tell me if I get this right. The the pastry. How do you describe kolach? Kolaches. Kolaches. Yeah, kolache shops everywhere. Amazing. It's basically a pig in a blanket. Yeah. So little little sausages, kind of right. If you've been to Bread Top and you get those little hot yes. dogs wrapped in the in yeah. the really soft bread, uh, that's basically a kolache. And there's a sweet version of that as well. You can do it with jam. Oh, they have so many different okay. flavors. So like 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 you go to a donut shop. There's kolache shops, and they've got all these different sweet, savory flavors, and they're amazing. And and a few drinks which um, I think sound um, amazing, which is um, um, I heard I was telling Matt about this. It's sort of maybe it's sort of like a, almost like a Texas version of a Bloody Mary, but with beer. Uh, uh, Micheladas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you like? Is that a good tasting drink? <sighs> Look, I'm not a massive fan of it, but yeah, people froth on them. They love let's, them. Let's <laughs> describe it because it, it's pretty. Whack. Yeah, so it's <laughs> that's from, the only way from memory, and I'll, I'll probably get this wrong, but from memory, it's it's you know you get kind of like a light beer, like a, a lager or a wiser, and you add um, bloody mary mixing clam juice. I've got and I've got here lime juice, hot sauce, spices, and tomato juice or yeah. clam juice. Yeah, and you serve it in a salt room glass. Yes. so it's sort of like a. A near margarita. Mm. Well, the um, mm. Mexican people love putting salt in their beers, so um, oh. that that's pretty. Because like it's so hot and they're sweating so much. I don't know, but it's like they put it in by the teaspoon, and it's by uh, the teaspoon. Yeah, they love it. That's yeah. a lot of salt. So when, when I was <clears throat> sorry, that's what, a lot of salt. <laughs> when I when I first started oh. drinking beer as a young man, and that was just a really common thing in Texas that you got your 
your beer glass from yeah. the keg with a rim of salt. Isn't that weird? Because here mm. in Australia or in in you know Europe and stuff like that, it's it's about putting a little bit of sweet in. That's there. right. You know, they in Ireland they put a little bit of the uh, the black currant cordial. Yeah, right. And someone said, if you had it in the Guinness, it looks like the stigmata. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. It's a, such an Irish thing thing to say. And here in Australia, we used to put lime cordial in yeah. um, uh, beer, which was pretty horrible in those days. I thought that's just my own personal thing. And mention must be made, of course, of the great drink, the great drink of Texas, the margarita. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think many would argue that's the drink of Mexico, but it's got that, that Tex-Mex influence that's made its way up. And they're definitely... Very different from the ones I've had in Mexico. Yeah. Um, and you used to not, you know, I felt you couldn't get a good margarita here, but now you really can. Oh, There's yeah. a couple of places making good ones. And we're going to be seeing Australian agave coming soon. Is that right? Thanks to Top Shelf. Yeah, wow. there's um, uh, our buddy Sebastian Rayborn is um, <clears throat> busy doing that. So, Man, yeah, there will, there will be a, uh, an Australian agave. We can't call it tequila. Yeah, yeah. So it has to be called that. It's sort of been growing. They're growing all these um, the cactus, agave cactus around. I think it's Yapoon. It's interesting how the ingredients have slowly become available here. I mean, when I when I first moved to Australia fifteen years ago, nobody knew what chipotle was. You definitely couldn't chipotle? get fresh jalapenos. <laughs> Tomatillo. Yeah, you couldn't get yeah. fresh tomatillos. You could only yeah. get these blended ones in a can, which were yeah. horrific. Oh, they're awful. That's, oh, that's it sort tastes of like metal. That's like yeah, we feel a powder in it because yeah. it's all sludgy and <laughs> yeah and ter- I, I made daniel wilson who was at the great chef yes. he, he grows yeah. them really well i've also got this interesting thing about the um the frozen margarita mm. um that was which, born in texas yeah by a bartender in 1971 i've even got his name mariano martinez yes mariano martinez you know him um and apparently he tinkered with a, a used soft serve machine until he was able to produce big batches of his signature frozen margaritas, which would have made him extremely wealthy. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, man. Because they don't you want serve to do small ones money. there either. Hmm? Being in Texas, they only serve, you know, the 42 ounce of the large. Like yeah, yeah. Really big <laughs> ones. <laughs> Love it. I remember working for my sins. I worked for two shifts um, at a Taco Bill, and it's the only job that oh. I ever um, just wa- I walked out of. Um, and the only solace that I had, because I was sort of in the front of house. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the back of house was so horrendous. It was just terrifying. But I had a, a margarita machine, and I, right. I was able just to... Get a couple of those. Yeah, like just, this is terrible. I'll have a couple of those. Um, what do you miss the most uh, food-wise from your oh, your homestead? You know, I, I had a tear brought to my eye last week. My wife and I went down the peninsula and ate at Red Gum Barbecue. Um, which I think does Texas barbecue pretty well, um, and I and apologize. Opening, it... And opening soon in Seaford, I've heard. That's right. Program, yeah. Yes. But uh, I, you know, one thing that I find a lot of barbecue places, you know, they do their meats really well, but they kind of forget about the sides, which is yeah. so important yeah, with yeah. Your, your green bean casserole, yes. um, pinto beans, stuff like that. But uh, the cornbread. I love cornbread. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, jalapeno cornbread smothered in butter. Amazing. Yes. That's that's something I really miss. That's a good. One. Texas yeah. caviar is that a good thing or a bad thing? I had actually heard about that when I came to Melbourne and ate at Le Bon Ton. Yes, and, um, they had Texas caviar, and I was like, I haven't heard of that before. What but, the hell is this but stuff? Black eyed peas are a big thing. So, yeah, black eyed yeah. peas, corn, red onions, sort of like a, a salsa, yeah. really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so, it is. 
Yeah, and black-eyed peas were another thing that came over from, from Africa. We've got 30 seconds. What's uh, the thing you'd like people to come to Rice, Paper, Scissors to eat? Yeah, just come and eat some of those big flavours that we're talking about. Um, that's that's what we're about. No subtlety there, just lots of good food. Umami-laden. Come back and maybe we'll talk. We'll go around uh, the other parts of um, the, uh, the southern states. I love states. that. We'll talk Cajun. Love it. Yeah. Noah, thank you. Thanks, Cam. Matt, thank you. Thank you, Cameron. Ethan is up, up next on Triple R, spinning some tunes for your afternoon. Sounds like a good thing to me. Yeah. Shall we let the music just play out for them? Yeah. Let's do that. See you later, folks. Thanks for joining us. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website.